Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back. I hope you're doing well today from wherever you're listening from. Today, it is fantastic to have Derek McDonald on the show as we're going to talk all about sales and technology. Now, there's some amazing tech out there, but if you can't sell it, you are in serious trouble. Hence why I wanted to bring Derek on the show today and learn from his experience. He is currently the sales director of Central Europe for Elastic, which is an open source security search and analytics application. He has many years of experience of selling technology, working for companies such as Elastic, Fuse, Salesforce, and Tipco. His most recent experience has been in the CEE region, which is vast and lots of opportunity in these regions. And I personally see a lot more companies you know, entering this market. So today we're going to learn a bit more about Derek, how he ended up in Eastern Europe. We're going to talk a bit more about the opportunities that exist there and how they go about entering these markets. So welcome to the show, Derek. Hello, Ken. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on the show. It's, nice. uh, it's a pleasure to be joining your podcast. Uh, it's a new experience for me, but uh, really looking forward to it. Great, Eric, and thank you. Listen, uh, maybe we could start. Would you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you did end up in Eastern Europe? Yeah, so let's start off with the current. So as you, as you mentioned, I'm the director of our uh, sales business in the CEE region. And just for anyone on the podcast who is not aware of what that actually is geographically, that we describe it as uh, everything uh, east of the German-Austrian border. So okay. geographically in Elastic, I have the largest territory in the world, if you include Russia. So right. there's a lot of land there. <laughs> <laughs> Look at um, you. Yeah, exactly. Look at me. Lucky enough also that uh, the sales quotas are not uh, applied based on the square kilometer. <laughs> Otherwise, we yeah, that would be a challenge. Yeah. But yes, ahead of the CEE region, and I mainly focus on our enterprise business in this region. And enterprise business for us are typically the the larger accounts, the well-known brand names in the banks, in the retail, in in the various high-tech and manufacturing uh, sectors. Yeah, and as I said, I'm almost two years with Elastic. That's the current role. But I've been operating in the CEE region for close to 20 years right now. So it's uh, it's a lot of experience, and it's the it's the region where I say I I have my my knowledge, I have my connections, and uh, this is the region where for me business makes most sense. Wow. So, uh, yeah. How did you end up? I mean, I'll be obviously Irish like myself, but how did you, how did you end up there? Yeah. So we as as the Irish community of the past, we've always been roaming or been. Yeah sent to to foreign foreign lands far away and uh, I only went to Germany for originally as part of my university placement so I went to the University of Limerick who had a great program of placing all students for a certain period of time in an industry which related to the course you were studying so I was studying information technology and telecommunications and uh, I ended up going to the company was called at the time Lucent Technologies um, the microelectronics group, which at that time was a really a, a world leader in the area 
that they dealt with, like having Bell Labs behind them, really innovative. And uh, I really enjoyed my, my placement, my work placement there. So I decided, okay, as a student, I could probably step this up another level, go back and work permanently with some money, see some of Europe, spend a year there, and then head off somewhere else. Yeah, 20, just over 20 years later, I'm still here. I'm still based out of Munich, Germany. However, my role has changed where I went more from the technical side and I went through a few career changes from consulting into kind of technical account management when I joined uh, Tipco Software. And at Tipco, we decided to open up the uh, Central Eastern European region from a sales perspective. And I was lucky enough to join the, the sales rep at the time as his consultant, as his solution consultant. Working with him, I learned a lot and I realized that actually, yes, I am more interested in sales. I'm more suited to sales than I am to being a technical resource. And working in the region, we decided, okay, let's, yeah, let's expand. Let's split up this region. So I took my first steps into sales and spent, uh, spent many, many, many weeks traveling from city to city, from Warsaw to Bucharest to Budapest to Moscow across the region. Yeah, selling from in all sorts of industries. Fun so time, was, so lots of fun. There was no plan, Ken, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like we always say, you know, water always finds its way to the sea, right? It yeah. takes a path and it finds the uh, the least path of resistance, and <laughs> you end up at the at the point. It is amazing, though, where you end up, isn't it? I mean, how life evolves, and, you know, and, you know, because I see some countries. Like, for example, I, I see now in Belgium, a lot of people don't, they, they pretty much stay in Belgium. They don't travel much and live quite close to home. Whereas you look at the, the Irish, I mean, I've got friends all over the world now. And it's amazing how we travel and we settle in different countries. I don't know. Yeah, we see the opportunity there. We enjoy, I suppose we like to travel as well and explore. Some go home, some don't. Yeah, it that's true. Anymore. I mean, we'd love to pick your brain today to learn a bit more about could you tell us about, you know, just give people a picture of this region, like for companies maybe that are looking to sell their technology and looking to target this region? I mean, could you tell us a bit about the region, different countries, the opportunities maybe that exist there? Uh, sure. Start with that? Yeah, sure. So it's, um, it's a large region, as, as you know, and it's um, very diverse. So anyone wanting to enter this region it can be a little bit, you know, frightened at first and a little bit concerned on how how you're going to go to market in those in the region. Depending, of course, on what you're selling, there's different strategies, but it's like there's no you know single bullet to achieve success in the region. It's really all about okay, analyzing okay, what's the return you want to achieve from opening up and bringing your solution, your product into this region, and then breaking it down into manageable pieces. From country to country, the culture, the people, the way of doing business varies. The good point is that it has simplified over the years. So the fact that most of the countries now have joined the European Union really helps and streamlines some of the processes and the ways of doing business. When I first started out, many of the countries were, you know, at that point, probably not even considered as candidate to join the European Union, some were on the path to join the European Union. And this made made business more interesting, complex, and another thing. 
the experiences and the stories that we have to tell from doing business uh, back in those days are ones that will live live for a long time and experiences that uh, those organizations and individuals who want to do business in the region right now will never experience again. So I would say that it is important to break it down into manageable pieces, right? So take the example of doing business in Poland. It's very different to doing business in Russia. It takes a little bit of analysis. It takes a little bit of strategy to think about, okay, which way you want to be successful in the region. The good news is that if you put your head down and you drive forward and you take the advice of other people who have done this before you, you know, reaching out to the communities, as you know, like the Irish communities in every country are very helpful. Get yourself well connected to, to that community and they'll guide you along on the resources that they have met and used to make themselves successful in the region. And there are a lot more than outside of the Irish. There are a lot of, let's say, other organizations and country which can help you get a good start. Important is probably not to spread yourself too thin at the beginning, right? So, you know, take manageable steps and try to get some success on that before you open yourself up to being really overworked and really thinly spread across many countries and not achieving anything in any of them. Makes sense. So would you like target one country then? Would you, would that would be a good start? Yeah. Obviously, in uh, let's say in the CE region, which is part of the EU, Poland is definitely the you know the largest economy there, and the, a very fast and positive growing economy. When you look at all the metrics that's out there, when you see here in Germany, and you look at Germany officially gone into uh, a depression, right uh, into the minus, and you look at the maps of Europe when the analysts do the where the growth is and what's happening. You see, Poland is always like a plus one, plus two. There's still growth in there. Even the financial services crisis, Poland grew in the financial services crisis. Incredible. There's a few factors, you know, like the, the country itself is quite well developed. Um, the labor force is now quite well educated. It is a big country with a, a large population. So if you're selling based on, you know, that kind of volume or you're based on uh, large amounts of data or something like that, the, those big numbers also help you to be successful. So definitely Poland is a, is a market, which is interesting. Naturally, uh, on the other side, you know, Poland is still from historical reasons conservative. It is, you have to work for your deals there, right? To get the margin out of your deals. This is still commonplace versus, you know, some other countries like I would say, taking the example of Russia, where Russia has been used to spending money heavier or larger amounts of money on on products from the West and they see the premium quality of a service or a product from the West and the payment of that. So yeah, those are the two key markets at the moment for me. Okay. And uh, you find you get more success. So I mean, like the likes of Hungary's, you know, the, you know, the Budapest, I mean, these Hungary, yeah. Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovakia, slightly, I mean, the just like Ireland, you know, it's kind of if you would take the example of Ireland and the UK, mm. Ireland is a very successful country and there's very successful companies there. But if you take that company who's selling a product to, let's say, trying to sell one product to every person in Ireland, you have like on the island, 5 million. That's, and let's say it's one euro, that's 5 million, right? Take that to the UK, uh, you can see what potential the market has or take that to the US where the population is even bigger again. Similar if we look at Czech Republic, you know, with the population there and we look at uh, Hungary, 
there's good companies there, there's good business there, but of course the scale is different. Romania is kind of an interesting one. The, the scale is bigger, you know, it's more on par with geographically, uh, population-wise uh, with Poland, but cost-wise, the margins are much lower. Or the, okay. the value that you achieve there in the country is lower. Uh, that's very, very, very interesting. How about some of the, I mean, the challenges of entering these marketplaces? I mean, could you maybe talk to one or two examples that you came across and maybe how you overcame them? Of course, yeah. So I've only ever worked for U.S.-based companies. Okay, Elastic is a is a Dutch company, but traded and mainly operated from the U.S. So okay. the challenges are typical. That uh, there's the cultural thing that you know we work for companies that have a a plan that have a a culture, a way of doing business that maybe, first of all, doesn't match up very well with the model in the, C- in the CE region, right? Okay. People are different from country to country across the border. Even in that region, you cannot, you know, Czechs and uh, Slovaks would not like to be called Czechoslovakians anymore, right? There's <laughs> obvious reasons, you know, there's like cultural differences. They are a different country. So we have to adapt in some cases. And, uh, a smaller company might be more flexible. The larger companies, they have their policies and their rules in place, their documentation in place, and they're not always that flexible to accept some of the requirements locally, to accept local law or have bilingual agreements and things like that, right? Hopefully, those are points which are, you know, that you experience because it means if you're experiencing those points, you're already doing business, right? <laughs> uh, so there's a positive out of that. But there can be a challenge to get started, to get your, to ramp up and actually have your business delivering in those regions. Because if you're a smaller organization, you may not have that experience on how to, how to actually manage that process. And you might not have the resources and you may have to go external for that and going external then introduces complexity and cost. Um, That's some of the challenges. Of course, you know, other challenges I mentioned touched on it a little bit um, is price points, you know, so you kind of take price points, which, are for companies deals like that are in in central europe like germany or france or uk or in even us whatever and just take that and apply that model automatically to the ce region for certain products that might not scale the budget just may not be there right so it's the same if you take a, an example of uh, the services that are offered in, in where i am here in germany or you take it in ireland or you take it in the uk and you look at like the cost of a a monthly phone bill and you take the same cost like of what a data plan is in in Poland or I can't even remember in Ukraine like what I was paying for two minutes on my contract for my provider in Germany I had like you know 30 gigabytes of data which I couldn't use in a few weeks uh, in Ukraine for the same amount like for the same few euros so there's a you have to take into consideration what you're selling might be a great product great solution but it has to be adopted based on the revenue model, the, the margin model for the country you're dealing with. That's interesting. So, I mean, how would a company go about doing that kind of research? Or where, who would they, could they go to, do you know, in your experience? Find that information well, I think out. There's quite a lot. I mean, there's quite a lot of information publicly available. So the, the simple things like when you just go to like and you, you look online and do GDP, just Google GDP of the country and you compare it versus the country where your solution is from or your selling price. However, you'll find out most likely that you're not always doing direct business. You're you're working with partners. So partners are strategic to being successful in most of these countries, especially if you're managing a region like CE, which is 
Like, I think I have like something like 20 something countries in the region. I cannot spread myself to and focus on 20 something countries. So in order to scale and cover the need across all of the region, you establish uh, a partner network. Partner network will solve a lot of things for you. They'll be your knowledge source of how to do business in that country. They'll be the knowledge source on giving you tips on where to price the price point versus like the market, what it can afford versus the competition that's on the market. You have to also remember and think about the fact that we go in with great solutions and services, which we think is world beating and leading, not knowing what already exists on the market. Now, in some countries, there has been a situation years ago where they didn't, they couldn't afford it or they didn't have access to certain solutions. So what did they do? They built their own one, whether that was a kind of a copy uh, on their own technology or on their own scale, or whether that was, in a lot of cases, something very innovative from the CEE region. There are many amazing companies which have came from the CEE region, which are listed as, you know, companies traded in the US, but their origins come from the CEE region, right? And those companies themselves would be your competitor on the local market, and they would have understood the price points. So you would have to take into that into consideration that, yes, you might have a great marketing brand awareness in Western Europe, US. Locally, it might be seen as a great product solution, a premium product and solution, but cost point just doesn't match. So partners can give you that intelligence. Looking and just uh, researching nowadays, it's great what's available like on Google. You can find out everything what's available online and do some research on who's providing what kind of service. And a lot of times as we're moving towards, you know, we're moving towards the cloud economy, right? So we're moving to subscription models. Less and less companies are purchasing you know, the perpetual license, one-off, multi-million, large upfront payment. So you can find out like pricing online, like because everyone has their basic plans of how much a subscription costs per month for the basic plan and then the contact need for the more advanced options. Right, okay. But I mean, also in terms of the numbers there, I mean, the salaries are increasing, GDP is increasing. So, I mean, there is more spend there. Would that be a correct assumption to make now? Versus your experience last, you know, 10, 15 years? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so you already see, and uh, there was a, oh, it's it's many, many years ago when I actually watched some sort of uh, primetime report uh, mm-hmm. back home in Ireland where there was, they were basically following some business people in Poland and in Hungary who used to travel to Ireland frequently to see what was happening in Ireland because they were basing their business model and their future of their country on what was happening in Ireland, moving away from the days when we used to have like Dell and, you know, large manufacturing sites in Limerick all moved to Poland. And uh, then they were going to say, okay, what's Ireland going to do next? Because when all the manufacturing jobs are gone, because the price point, you know, the wages, as you said, the cost of production didn't match and you wanted to move to countries who were more affordable, what did they fill that gap with? And of course, Ireland went into other services like, you know, into cloud, into multilingual type services. And they were watching, okay, that's the way for them. And we see that happening even now. Like I would imagine, you know, manufacturing in Poland is already quite expensive than moving across the border into Ukraine. Right. right? So you, yeah. you see that. So definitely that means that the economies, that the GDP has increased, the cost of wage 
the cost to produce in, in Poland, in Czech, in Hungary has gone up. But still affordable when you see like some of the world's largest banks, you know, with thousands and thousands of people uh, in, in a few cities in Poland, right? Yeah. It's still much more economical than it is to have those people in, you know, in a downtown London or uh, in, yeah, in New York or somewhere where you just can't afford that. Yeah, makes sense. But in, in terms of, you know, targeting, say, for example, Russia or Poland, because you seem to have a lot of success in these regions. Marketing, how would you go about marketing, getting your product known out there in those marketplaces? I will call it the old days already. So like uh, six months ago, the old days when we used to travel, yeah. <laughs> a big part of our strategy was actually running like local events. Okay, we come from the open source software world. So running different types of meetups, workshops, seminars on site for the most part worked really well because people still like that human touch, that interaction. You gained a lot more intelligence out of what was actually going on in the market, you know, the field, uh, whether you were taking the right paths and positioning yourself correctly. However, since then, you know, the world has changed and it's all digital. And so what we've done is we've just taken those traditional on-site events and turned them into virtual, like, you know, delivering via solution like Zoom or something like that, webinars, workshops. That's definitely one way. But there are others, like depending on the solution you're selling. So I've always been selling kind of enterprise software. So enterprise software, we would try to position ourselves as part of a particular type of forum focusing on financial services or focusing on telecommunications and try to position yourself as a solution rather than a product or a technology. And that brings me back to the kind of selling strategies that you would have. You know, is it a top-down or is it a bottom-up? You know, top down going in, like saying, okay, this is a fully baked solution. I can position this to the executives and I show them the ROI and the TCO and they, they actually understand the business value. All right. So great examples of that was when I worked at Salesforce. You know, Salesforce, we wanted to talk to business people. We want to talk to head of sales. That was our primary goal. IT, so so. And like IT really didn't have as much influence because a sales organization or a you know, someone running CRM or running a contact center, a service center, they've seen the, the business value on this, whereas IT seen, yes, they are a business value anymore, but they also have a more on the technology side. So marketing, you need to put some marketing in, but marketing can be not from nowadays, you know, like working on, on like LinkedIn and, um, you know, targeting your, your market, which you're positioning your solution or service for. That's one way. Marketing could also be developing like through a reseller network, right? So picking a reseller or a, dis a distributor for a market and actually positioning your product with them and working with them on some financials so that they use their existing customer base to position your, your offering to the market. Again, there's pros and cons, right? So the reselling is one way. Distributor is another way. I've seen like, for example, Distributors in some countries working okay and other countries not working okay, right? So okay. a good example is a distributor in Russia, while it simplifies a lot of the bureaucracy, a lot of the paperwork and challenges which you need to overcome to be successful there, may not always work because there are preferred partners for specific end customers, right? So if you're targeting Telco X, 
most likely you need to be working with partner A or partner B because they are the ones who win those tenders. They are the key suppliers for that particular customer. They have the agreements in place. They supply maybe all the hardware. They supply already a lot of the software. That relationship is established and they're kind of like their purchasing department, external purchasing department. Wow, very interesting. So, so yeah, so again, there's no one, there's no one way to say that is the strategy. Again, I'll go back to the point like, um, yeah, there's people like us out there who can offer some advice when someone says, okay, yes, I'm thinking I want to go to Poland. We don't want to go to Russia right now. That's too much for us. We want to step and, you know, go step by step. We want to enter Poland first. How would we go about that in Poland? Okay, we're selling software. Okay, we're selling a, or a, a network device, a hardware device or a, an appliance or we're selling a cloud solution, right? We're in the app space. All of those have different considerations which needs to be taken into place. How about um, any issues with the language barriers? Is English pretty um, good or common or did you find that? Yeah, it's much better, that's for sure. Definitely much better. I don't speak any of the CE languages. You know, I can speak German. It doesn't help me that much out there. So it's it's really English. Naturally, if you knew one of the languages, it puts you in a much better place. But you're not going to know 20 languages of CE. That's for sure. And at the end of the day, it's not going to be language is not going to be the reason that you're going to fail, right? So if you want to be successful, you'll get around the point of language. You just need to align yourself with the correct level inside the market you're targeting and the language, the language piece will be taken care of, right? So if you're dealing with certain organizations and languages an issue, sometimes for me, that's already a red flag that am I talking to the right people? Am I talking to the right organization, right? Okay. So if you're an international company selling solutions and everything, and you're dealing with someone who has never done, doesn't communicate with anyone else, all of a sudden that tells you that their market is very regional or local. If you're the first person they're speaking English to or having to communicate with English in English to, with, it means they haven't done business with anyone else. So you are kind of like testing the ground there, breaking the ice. And that could be a harder entry point than going where, you know, there's a, a door. It's a lot easier. You know, I can't remember who's, who had this saying who said like, it's a lot easier to than to, to knock on a door that's um, half open and push on one that's closed. So take the easiest path at the beginning to set yourself up, bring in local partners who can help bridge the gap with language. Yeah, brilliant. So just to quickly, I won't take much of your time, Derek, it's been really helpful. Just to summarize, so would you I mean, obviously these are great markets to enter and approach. I mean, if you want to do it right. Could you just give us maybe one or two tips so just in summary what a company would go about if they want to enter these markets, just to summarize? Sure. So again, break it down into small manageable pieces. Pick where you want to go and put a plan in place like over a certain period of time. You want to you want enter Poland, you want to enter Czech Republic, you want to enter Russia. Um, then do do the research, of course. You know, make sure that you have done your research on the country. What are you positioning? As an offering, see what exists on the market, international competition, local competition. Try to do some research on, okay, how do they go to market? How do they price for that particular market? Now, I'm not saying that you have to always compete against exactly that or that you always have to follow that strategy because the successful people find other ways or the innovative people find a new way to do it better and uh, good salespeople and good, good offerings 
generate more margin. So you can be more expensive if you can justify it. But do that research so that you know where do you position yourself. Establish then, okay, how are you going to go to market? How are you going to, what's your strategy for that? Do you want to have direct sales model? Do you want to have an indirect sales model? What is the indirect sales model? Is that going to be a resell with various different local partners? Are you going to go one distributor who has already the partner network set up in place? Those are the key tips. Get yourself involved with the, I would say, with the community that's out there. So if you're if you're coming from outside, the expat community is typically a good first stop to see what they, you know, what the people who are doing the business there, what who are living there, what their experience is, get their tips that you can take back and add add to your strategy. Brilliant, Derek. Listen, thank you. So useful and great to chat with you today. Thanks for your time, Derek. Yeah. No problem. A pleasure. If, finally, just if, if anybody wants to reach out to you or to contact you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm very open to connections on LinkedIn. And uh, once I connect, I share my email address there. I mean, my my details are, are public. So just Google Derek McDonald with the MC space Donald, and then you will find me. And uh, yeah, happy to pass on any knowledge that I've experienced in the region. To anyone who's going through that similar journey or are thinking on considering entering into the the CE market. Fantastic, Derek. Listen, thanks again for your time today, Derek. Yeah. Yep, you're welcome.